0: Hello, melons, and welcome back to When Life Gives You Melons. We're your host, I'm Reed, and over there is my sister Drew. Say hey. Hello. Our episode today is going to be on IQ. We're going to go over a couple of different things with it, um, first and foremost, the beginning of how it came about and why we even had this IQ or IQ test at all. Um, and then we're also going to talk about how it works and then the history from it there and what it actually means in the end and how it works in with being
1: neurodiverse as well. Mm-hmm. And what the practical uses of it are. Yeah. Are. Are.
0: Mm-hmm. So, first and foremost, we will give you a quote to go
1: along with our little mm-hmm. episode today. It takes something more than intelligence to act intelligent. Theodore Dask Crime and Punishment.
0: You have no idea how many times we practiced that name.
1: Oh, <laughs> my goodness. And I still do not think I pronounced the last name correct. O- it's, correct. No. We are doing our best. <laughs> um, I tried. No,
0: you did well. Thank I you. I really love this quote. I think it's really pertinent to what we're going to talk about today. Me too. With that, and talking about the history of the IQ test, I am going to leave you with a trigger warning. In this episode, we're going to talk about some really uh, hard topics, a lot of outdated mindsets, and just general like disbelief and things like that that have happened. So um, off the bat, uh, these are the things we're going to talk about. It's going to be racism, genocide, exploitation of marginalized communities, ableism, eugenics, forced sterilization, and just all around sad things mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, right. and it's not to yeah it's not to like it is part of the history of the IQ test and it's not to like uh make a drama <laughs> or like uh try to you know be salacious about it but uh, it's just it's good to tell you now that we are going to talk about some of these things and fair warning
1: and it's it's good to know the history of where things came from how to start off and what they end up evolving into yeah
0: it is actually really interesting um how things change over time. I've really loved learning about language recently with that. I like it. It's oh, really yes. interesting. Yes.
1: Okay. Let's dive in. In the beginning. So in the beginning, in 1905, psychologists Alfred Binet and Theodore Simon designed a test for children in France who were having difficulty in school. They were trying to identify the children that needed special attention and extra help which is that test is the basis for the IQ test that we know today. And basically, these two psychologists, Alfred and Theodore, were looking for us, for people like us, to help us.
0: Yeah, for the neurodiverse. Here's a little bit of how the IQ test uh, works um, in today's day and age. An IQ test is made up of... A number of different tests, measuring verbal reasoning, spatial reasoning, and your working memory. And as we know, people like with dyslexia don't have the best uh, working memory. It's adjusted for age, education level, and a number of other factors. A kid that's going in for an IQ test isn't taking the same IQ test that an adult would be taking, you know? It's adjusted for that stuff. Um, So, uh, and the IQ test itself is also adjusted every five years to keep the average range within around, you know, 100. Uh, The average range is 85 to 115, but every test is uh, different. So the IQ test that I took actually has that average range being between 90 and 110. So there you go, I don't know what you wanna make of that, but uh, this is kinda how it goes. These things that they're testing for, the verbal reasoning, spatial reasoning, and your working memory, they combine the scores, divide it by your age, times it by 100, and bam, that is your IQ score. So before I jump back into our timeline, and now that we've gone over how the IQ test is uh, scored, let's talk about reliability versus validity, because it does play a big part in IQ tests, and it's going to play a big part in the next uh, timeline that we'll be going over. So reliability and validity are two very Different concepts. Reliability is the ability to reproduce a certain outcome. So you can continuously get the same score on the same test, and that's a reliable test because there you go, reliability. But that doesn't make a reliable test a valid test if there are certain inherent biases designed into it. So what I'm getting at here is that a lot of psychologists argue that you can't define any one person's intelligence by one numerical score. And even our psychologists that first made the IQ test to try to find, you know, kids in France, they even back then knew that or had the same arguments where it's this isn't an actual verification of someone's intelligence, because there's a lot of things that you have to measure for overall human intelligence. These are just a couple of measurements that they're doing.
1: The scientists um, that in France that developed the IQ test we're doing it to find students not with lower IQs but students who needed help in school so they could because they weren't thinking oh these kids have less intelligence they were thinking oh these kids more need more help to help them in school it wasn't a they can't do it was oh let's make sure we give them a better chance
0: yeah Let's dive into our next timeline. As we said, even back in the day when Binet and Simon were doing these, uh, was creating this test, there was no you know, one defined characteristic or one defined agreed upon definition of intelligence. And because of this, they actually left the door open for people to use this very well-meaning test for other purposes and historically not necessarily for uh, uh, healthy ones, let's put it that way. <laughs>
1: One of the first large-scale uses of the IQ test was by America during World War I.
0: Yeah, the Army created a test to kind of sort out new uh, military recruits for leadership training. They had the IQ test built into the screening test and used that to sort out people for, like I said, leadership positions. So during this time, during World War I and during the start of this IQ test use, a lot of people believed in a thing called eugenics, and that's the idea that there's certain desirable and non-desirable traits that could and should be controlled in the human population via selective breeding. There's a number of issues with that whole way of thinking. First and foremost is the idea that intelligence is fixed, inherited, and linked to someone's race, (laughs) which is, Mm -hmm. oy, Uh, and- Yeah. And that was actually, unfortunately, um, during this screening and these testings in World War I, uh, that was actually really leaned into and caused a lot of uh, racist mindsets. Let's just throw it out there. It's racist mindsets. Mm -hmm. Under the idea of, you know, eugenics and having this IQ test be able to back up eugenics the scientists using this military initiative this military test drew some very like i said biased conclusions based off of these people's race and that there are certain superior races than others the issue is is that these new recruits that they were testing were new to the u.s it is not cool for me to go over to germany and to have the people in germany give me a german iq test that i don't know german i i don't know the metric system i you know come on so they they're giving this test to the new recruits but they're all new to the US or they had language barriers or, you know, they didn't have the same education.
1: And they're not taking that into consideration when they're no, they didn't. providing the test and they should have. Um,
0: you know, things mm-hmm. like that. It's just it's interesting to me. It's just it's interesting.
1: It's important to know your history.
0: <laughs> yeah. It led into some very biased, you know, thoughts and mindsets. Mm, okay, really quick, will eugenics. It wasn't a new concept when World War One was around, just you know, it was it happened before then. There's already uh laws in place in the US even that made it so that people with epilepsy couldn't get married or air quote the feeble-minded which is just like
1: ridiculous (laughs) absolutely ridiculous because epilepsy does not have any bearing on intelligence either
0: no it's just a very unfortunate thing and actually our oldest sister kyle she is epileptic so yeah she is it's a little it just went interesting to me for me to read and me be like well kyle couldn't have gotten married (laughs) so stupid um yeah yeah which is so stupid so Uh, before this IQ test was even created, we said it was 1905, right? Mm -hmm. There was already in the U.S. in 1903 the American Breeders Association, which is people just dedicated to studying eugenics in the U.S. That just
1: makes us sound like we're dogs. Sorry. Hey, prance me around one of those
0: little arenas. I could probably be a pedigree.
1: (laughs) You've got the sleek lines.
0: (laughs) Sleek lines. (laughs) Watch me trot. Oh, gracious. So uh, just to leave you on this with eugenics and this whole like issue and mindset that was happening back then which is i'm so happy that we're getting more into a a different culture Mm -hmm. um the last thing i'll leave you with with eugenics is that in 1924 virginia created a policy that allowed for the forced sterilization of anybody and that's how we link it back in allowed for the forced sterilization of anybody with a low iq score so this is how we're linking in our iq again to eugenics this ruling led to a Supreme Court case, actually, it's called Buck versus Bell, you can go look it up, where the Supreme Court held up this law and said that forestalization was not against the Constitution. And I'll even quote Supreme Court Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes. He's stated in this saying that three generations of feeble-minded are enough. So what happened in Buck versus Bell is that
1: a girl got pregnant
0: out of wedlock
1: and... Well, only feeble-minded people get pregnant out of wedlock you know well here we go
0: her mother was already considered to be feeble-minded so they considered her to be feeble-minded and whatever child she was carrying would then be feeble-minded but what it really was if you look at the case is that they they found out that the girl wasn't air quote feeble-minded at all and that she was actually trigger warning guys she was a rape victim it was the family trying to get her to be considered feeble-minded to protect their son's reputation after this, she did go on and get married and and have a, a life, but... She could
1: never have any more children of her I mean, own, and her and her husband couldn't have children together of their own because well, the government decided that she wasn't allowed to. Yeah, and that happened in the
0: U.S. It happened in the U.S. in 1924, so just Which keep, is,
1: that, keep that in mind. That was only 100 years ago. Yeah. About... Uh, thereabouts. Which isn't that long ago in the grand scheme of life. No.
0: Actually, uh, just, you know, forced sterilizations in the U.S. didn't actually end until 1979 anyways. Oh. From 1909 to 1979, around 20,000 sterilizations occurred in California alone under this guise of, you know, protecting us from having the, air quote, mentally ill have offspring, which is whatever to me.
1: It makes me wonder the intelligent level of the people making the decisions to do things like that, because it doesn't follow logical. Uh, it doesn't seem
0: very logical, but let's actually go into that. Okay. Um. <coughs> So, step away from eugenics, we understand how it's so horrible. We see how the IQ test backed up eugenics and kind of how we get this uh, elitist mindset of uh, certain people being more intelligent than other people, right? Following the Holocaust and the civil rights movement, the discriminatory uses for the IQ test were starting to be challenged both on moral and scientific grounds, and thank goodness for that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, For starters, scientists started to find evidence that there's huge environmental factors that impact in your IQ, your intelligence, air quote intelligence, your IQ. Like we said, IQ tests are updated every few years and they are noticing that giving modern people older IQ tests, they score exponentially higher on every single test. It was happening too fast for it to be us evolving that way. And if you want to go look it up, here's the name for it. It's called the Flynn Effect. What they realized what was happening is these factors, ready? These are very important factors, these three. Education, how well the education is that you have. And so like if you're in a more poverty-stricken area and then you have not as good education there, that's an impact. And if you have a better school and you have better education, that's an impact. Technology, instant information, that is a huge, huge impact. The, The Getting the internet and the uses for that was amazing. And then our final one that you probably don't think about is the increase in... Uh, proper medical care and better medical care. Those three factors have huge links to someone's intelligence.
1: It makes sense, too. Like, you know, as, as things have gotten, uh, things only get better and we work on education, so education's gotten better. Technology, I mean, I know for me the stuff that I have access to as a dyslexic has just helped me personally, let alone how, you know, other people who can utilize other things more efficiently than I can um yeah and health yeah when your body is functioning I mean how often have you been told that if you're healthy yeah you think better you 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 problem solve better yeah I would
0: I would even argue like me recently going on medication I have the ability to pay attention so much better and have my retention I I always felt like my mind was smoke and I feel like I have a better grasp on things now so I would say even like that
1: oh yeah access is just being diagnosed for whatever it is your brain's doing so that you know how to work with your brain so you can yeah think and educate yourself and and stuff yeah totally so So that
0: is that's basically our timeline for the IQ test and how we got it and how it came about like we said uh, the history of the IQ tests is kind of a dark one, but we did mention that at the beginning. In the modern day, researchers and scientists still agree that you can't categorize people under a single numerical score. It's just not, it doesn't measure everything, you know? It doesn't tell you very important things. So what the IQ test is really good at measuring is reasoning and problem-solving skills, and basically, that's it. It has no ability to measure potential,
1: so... Well, yeah, no, this is something something I think is very important in this. An IQ test is not does not tell you how successful you're going to be. A high IQ does not tell you you're going to be a very successful person. A low IQ or a standard IQ does not mean that you are going to be an ineffectual person. Someone with a high IQ... No, someone with a high IQ... There's something else. There's something you wrote in here that sounded really good that I want to read real quick. Um, IQs don't predict how successful you'll be
0: in life. Many people with high IQs find it hard to function in day-to-day society or feel pigeonholed by the expectations that come with that label. Mm -hmm. While many people with low IQs, air quote, live happy lives, run successful businesses, and are active community members, have no problem participating in society, you know?
1: Yeah. So it really does not have a basis on how successful you're going to be in life. Absolutely none. No. Oh. Um. Yeah. Things I also
0: would like to mention with the IQ test I don't necessarily know if they like think about or bring up, is that I have test anxiety. I don't have it as bad as a lot of other people, but um, there's certain days I obviously perform better than other days, and and there's certain things that are gonna make me become very anxious in an IQ test. And just like case in point, and I do understand that my diagnosis test it does have an IQ test in it. I don't know what parts are what, and I understand that part of that diagnosis test is trying to make you flustered or frustrated or things like that. And I get that, but it's as also highly embarrassing for me to read in front of somebody and to try to do math in front of somebody and to have that person even a doctor but a stranger watch me do these things makes me want to not try as hard as weird as that is so I don't know how that's just something I think about with certain like again validity of tests or things like that is that I have performance anxiety up the wazoo
1: and no I can relate to that too like I have performance anxiety I mean, heck, you're talking about not being able to perform well, testing every time, like some days you do better than others. Um, that's true with any part of your body. I know sometimes I'm better at the um, um, active sports things I like to do some days, and some days I'm like, I can't even get that done. I don't know why. Oh, yeah. um, but test anxiety, oh my goodness, like in, for for someone who needs tests read to them and you constantly like there's a there's a constant like judgy feeling to the person across the table as much yeah. as they're not trying to and that that affects the mindset i mean the the embarrassing of reading in public because you know you're not going to read it very well and mm-hmm. then yeah not being able to do the math and i mean heck even sometimes doing this podcast with reed with my sister with you um i have a really hard time getting through the script even though i'm listening to it half the time because i start to get so flustered and it's just with you.
0: I know it's. I get it. It's, it's the same things I have. <laughs> so, basically, I think that people are using this idea of an IQ test to label themselves as um, successful or have the ability or or have higher potential than somebody else. But I really want to ask, what is success to somebody? Like, what to you? What is success to whoever is listening out there if you really think about it and you categorize it in your mind in your head your definition of success is going to be bounds different than mine mm-hmm. so you telling me and i just i do have this issue you're telling me that you have a high iq or that you have a 140 or 100 276 or whatever who gives it who gives a crap that doesn't tell me anything about you i actually know people that have very very high iqs that do not function in society totally unfunctioning so yeah i think we need to kind of understand that this uh, success thing, it's just, it has a different, it has a different label and we need to be using a proper label for it, you know,
1: right? Well, yeah, I mean, you can't use a number or a test to categorize people from highest to lowest. You can't do that. And it does feel like people try and use the IQ test to do just that. And we're saying no.
0: It's still very much a social hierarchy. I feel like is attempting, like that's like jockeying is trying to happen, and I'm not, I'm not here for it because I understand what the test is for, and I also understand, and this is just to, just to tell you that it does not affect your intelligence if you're someone like me, Mm -hmm. because I know my IQ test, I know my IQ score, I know, I know what I have, and I am perfectly normal, and I cannot. I mean, I can. I have a very hard time reading, and I'm horrendous at math. Horrendous at math. And guess who's normal? Me. I'm just letting you know. It doesn't affect your intelligence. It just, yeah. it just goes to show, like, no. There you go. If you want to believe anybody that uh, being neurodiverse in multiple ways doesn't affect your ability to... <laughs> to live life? Your ability to have a numerical number that is satisfactory to society, <laughs> I'm your poster child for that
1: we use a different measuring stick
0: yeah okay that was actually my little rant for this it's just uh when you're in this when you're in this community you do tend to run into those things of like people thinking that you're stupid and i'm just like what is your idea of air quote stupid and air quote success and are you measuring this off of a really bad history because iq tests Mm -hmm. have a really horrendous history it's just it's, and it's, it's important interesting to, me. to know
1: the history of the iq test i mean it's important to know the history of almost not almost it's important to have some idea of the history of everything you can because history is important um but yeah, to know the history of the iq test what it was started for and what it has been morphed into and we're trying to take it back to its roots let's go back to the roots
0: yeah i guess Okay. Well, yeah. Maybe y'all probably hated this episode, but I really don't care.
1: <laughs> I... No, I actually, I love this episode. This is, I think this is important. Like I have an agenda. From somebody, <laughs> from somebody who has been told when I talk about my disability, and I guess this isn't partly IQ, but been told, I never tell you have a problem. You communicate so well. I really want people to not. You don't look special,
0: Drew. You don't look special. Well, I'm not
1: supposed to be drooling like. Yeah, it's like let's let's get rid of these these measurements that don't make any sense anymore, and let's talk about things from measurements that actually, mm, from a point of view that actually does.
0: Well, uh, I don't like measuring. (laughs) Well, it's again we're talking about. Measuring under proper standards, right? It's the whole uh, yes. don't judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree. It's the measuring under proper standards. Anyways, exactly. and understanding what those measurements and standards mean. So I just, exactly. I find it really interesting that people don't look into history that much. I don't know. Who yeah. cares? Yeah. Whatever. Anyway. Okay. It's because people want to be
1: special.
0: Yep. Everyone wants to be special, and everyone kind of is special, but that doesn't mean that people next to you aren't, you know? That's what it is.
1: Everyone's special. And let's see the specialness in everybody else. Everyone's special, that, which
0: makes us all not special and also special. Is, so just and also get over special. it.
1: Yeah. Okay. We're all special and we're not special.
0: If you liked what you heard, please follow. Um, leave us a review. Send us a comment. You can write in. I take suggestions. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at podcast Instagram, I am posting over there twice a week-ish at the moment. We get uh, pictures of our episodes that we talk about and then pictures s- that go with them yeah and Pretty then quotes quotes um, and a little bit more uh, discussion uh, I do <laughs> I do uh, kind of talk a little bit more um, about certain topics that we talk about in here so head over there if you want some more info if you want to say hi or just in general um, besides that <laughs> thank you so
1: much for coming and joining us again. Uh, We are enjoying spreading our information and we hope that you enjoy hearing the world from our point of view. We are a community and we are glad you are here joining us and we hope to keep growing. Yep. As always, Melons, be
0: different and be kind.